Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today.
Hey, folks, Roland Martin here, broadcasting live from Chicago, site of the Blueprint Summit, a conference for black men. It is Friday, October 9th, 18th, 2019. And, of course, we'll talk more about the Blueprint Men Summit uh, later today. But first off, we want to talk about, of course, a number of stories in the news. Remember the case out of Washington, D.C., where the black man was attacked by Metro Police? He's here to talk about what he's gone through and what he plans to do about that police assault. Senate Republicans voted yesterday to advance Justin Walker, a 37-year-old Trump judicial nominee who is, folks, he earned a not qualified rating from the American Bar Association. I'm going to tell you exactly why this is a part of the Republican Party's focus to pack the federal bench with young right-wing ideologues. Also, jazz saxophonist Kirk Whalum will join us to talk about his new album. Plus, Michael Jordan opens a health care clinic for the underinsured. And Robert Smith received the prestigious Car- Carnegie Medal of Philanthropy. All of that and more. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered from Chicago. Let's go. Okay. I- I- All right, folks, Roland Martin here from the Blueprint Blueprint Men's Summit here in Chicago. We, of course, will talk more about the Blueprint Men's Summit and uh, what the focus is and what they're trying to do uh, when it comes to uh, black men. First off, I want to talk about this story out of Texas, where former Dallas Maverick Harrison Barnes and his wife, Brittany Barnes, will pay for the funeral of Atiana Jefferson, who was fatally shot by a Fort Worth police officer while in her home. Barnes, who was traded for the Mavericks and Sacramento Kings last season, has a history of giving back to the North Texas community while he was playing there, uh, including providing Thanksgiving meals for those in need and giving uh, to the Girls and Boys Club. But it's just not uh, Harrison uh, as well, folks. Uh, and that is uh, another uh, NBA player that's also going to be contributing to that. Now, Barnes and his wife, they're going to be giving uh, the lion's share of the money to pay for uh, her funeral. And, uh, and the, one of the quotes that the Barnes said is that they said when the family is going through such a difficult uh, story such as this, uh, they should not have to be worried about paying for the funeral expenses of their loved one. Of course, uh, Jefferson was a 28-year-old black woman shot and killed by the uh, now former Fort Worth police officer uh, while she was playing video games with her uh, nephew. Also, uh, Malik Jefferson of the Philadelphia Eagles. He also is going to be contributing uh, to covering the cost uh, as well. And so we certainly want to salute both of them. And Barnes and Jefferson said they had not talked with the family of Jefferson because they wanted to give them their necessary space. And that's one of the reasons why they made that decision uh, to assist the family. Also, folks, um, you know, first of all, so many things are happening uh, all across uh, our society. And uh, we are still mourning, folks, the, the death of Congressman Elijah Cummings. Tributes continue to pour in. Now, of course, we know uh, he is going, when the funeral is going to take place. Uh, the funeral for uh, Congressman Cummings will take place next Friday. Next Friday in Baltimore. Uh, and so let me go ahead and read those details for you in terms of where it's taking place. Uh, it's going to be uh, at his uh, longtime church there uh, in Baltimore. The venue seats about 4,000 people. Uh, we certainly expect the church said there's going to be an overflow there as well. And so what's going to happen is uh, he's going to lie in state in the, natural, in the National Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol next week, according to House Speaker Nance Pelosi. 
Of course, a formal ceremony for members of Congress and the, and the Cummings family will take place on Thursday morning, and a public viewing will follow. Uh, then, of course, that's, so that's taking place again on Thursday. Then on Friday, on Friday will actually be uh, the funeral. Now, the viewing for uh, Cummings will take place uh, on Friday uh, at 8 a.m. At 8 a.m. Um, at the church in Baltimore. I'm going to pull it up for you in just one second. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the, the uh, funeral will follow. Uh, at 10 a.m. And so he worshiped at New Psalmist Baptist Church. That's exactly where uh, the funeral was going to take place. And so, again, 8 a.m. on Friday will be the viewing, uh, the uh, viewing for Congressman Cummings at the church in Baltimore. And beginning at 10 a.m. will be the funeral uh, for Congressman Cummings. And so Thursday taking place uh, at the U.S. Capitol, a ceremony on Thursday. And then, of course, on Friday be the funeral for Congressman Cummings. And so, uh, again, we want any more details to take place. Also, the family uh, has asked folks not to uh, provide flowers. They, they do want uh, any uh, contributions uh, to go to the uh, Elijah Cummings Youth Program. And so, again, in lieu of any flowers, the Cummings family is asking that uh, all proceeds go to the Elijah Cummings Youth Program. Uh, also, March Funeral Home in Baltimore, they are handling uh, the uh, all the uh, arrangements for uh, Congressman Cummings. And again, as I said, Bishop Walter Thomas Jr., the pastor of New Psalmist since 1975, he's going to deliver the, deliver the eulogy. And again, that church seats 4,000 folks, and they fully expect there will be an overflow crowd there uh, in Baltimore. Uh, for the homegoing service of longtime Baltimore Congressman Elijah Cummings. Also, folks, let's talk about some news with Michael Jordan, basketball legend and social media superstar. Well, Hall of Famer Michael Jordan was in tears as he, as he opened the first of two groundbreaking clinics that will offer cutting-edge health care to undeserved communities in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here's Michael Jordan with that announcement. You see my name, but yet you, you see a lot of people behind me and commitment. Especially from my, from my mom, about caring for other people, being a part of a community that matters. You take Michael Jordan, you take Dr. Hoban, you take Carla Mata, the CEO of our organization, and you put those people together with a commitment of making a difference in the community, and what you get is this beautiful facility that you see behind us. Because our goal is to not talk about closing a health equity gap. It's talking about eliminating a health equity gap. I can only do this in gratitude that you know, I can't ever repay what you actually give it to me. But this is the start. Wow, such a great story there uh, by Michael Jordan. So we certainly uh, appreciate his philanthropy and what he is doing uh, when it comes to health in his home state of North Carolina. Our right, folks, uh, speaking of philanthropy, uh, billionaire Robert Smith, of course, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Vista Equity Partners. Uh, of course, he made headlines by paying off all of the college debt but 2019 graduating class at Morehouse College. He has been awarded the prestigious Carnegie Medal of Philanthropy during a ceremony in New York City. The award is given to individuals who have demonstrated significant and lasting impact on a particular field, nation, or international community. Here is Robert Smith's acceptance speech. First, let me thank the Carnegie Corporation and Vartan and his staff and all of you wonderful 
people that represent the Carnegie leg legacy. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, son of school teachers. And I saw my parents exhibit a form of philanthropy every day. My mother wrote a check every month for $25 to the United Negro College Fund for over 50 years. And I saw my father bring his organizational capacity to the local YMCA so that the kids in my neighborhood could enjoy the outdoors. And he led the North City Park Civic Association so that we could participate in this great fabric that is America as voters. I'm the first generation in my family to have all my rights in America. And when I think about that, I take that responsibility seriously to bring all of the, of the education and dedication and effort to create in this world, in this economic structure, a structure opportunity that I can then drive into philanthropic fabric to do what I think is the most important thing on this planet, which is to liberate the human spirit. I'm proud to be a part of the Carnegie family, this institution of people who liberate the human spirit. I have a chance every day to participate in that in a real and tactile way. And there is no greater gift on the planet than to do that. I want to thank my beautiful daughters for being here, my beautiful wife for supporting all that we do. And I want to thank you all for continuing Carnegie's dream and ensuring this planet becomes more just and there's more love for mankind. Thank you. And certainly a huge congratulations to my alpha brother, Robert Smith, uh, on that significant award. And so we certainly thank all that he has done uh, in taking uh, his net worth is about $5 billion. And so the millions uh, that he has been giving to various philanthropy efforts uh, all across this country. And so we certainly thank him uh, for what he is, has done and what he is doing. All right, folks, let's talk about this story that we covered uh, here in June. And that was a, a young man, uh, Tapia Musanza, uh, who was attacked and repeatedly tased by Washington, D.C. Metro Police. Now, after a bystander posted the video on social media, the charges against Musanza uh, were dropped and the police launched an internal investigation into the case. Well, he has now found a lawsuit, and he and his attorney, uh, Yaida Ford, joins us now to tell his story. So first of all, I hope I pronounced both of your names correct, uh, and so if I did, my apologies. And so, uh, how are both of you doing? Great. Great. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you for having us. Uh, glad to have you here. And so, first of all, um, to people, walk us through I mean, what happened. I mean, we remember this case, but of course, we're going to show the video as well. Uh, but were you just simply walking by and seeing the police where they had stopped these uh, several African American uh, young boys? Take us through what happened on that June day. Sure. Uh, before I do, I just want to take time to uh, pay my respects to the uh, congressman's, uh, the late congressman's family. I hope. Uh, God protects them and gives them the, the grace that they need to get over this. Uh, with regards to what happened to me on June 22nd, um, I was on my way home uh, on U Street, Cadoza Station, um, and I was on the platform. Uh, suddenly, uh, an officer, uh, I see an officer chasing a young man 
Uh, at that point, I did not know the young man's age. Chasing him down the platform, he tackled the young man, put him on the ground, uh, restrained him for an extended period of time. Uh, when you actually look at, uh, when in retrospect, when I look at uh, the, the, the body mass of the young boy and the body mass of the officer, I don't even think that was a necessary uh, way to restrain a, a minor. Uh, as the events continued rolling out, uh, the officer continued to have his knee on the young man's back. I approached the officer and asked the officer, is this how you treat uh, young men? At that time, I did not know the young man's age. Is this how you treat young men? And the officer, at that point, uh, he replied, uh, you know, this is an open investigation or something like that. At that point in time, then I asked him, can you please put the young boy on the bench so that you could treat him with a bit of dignity? At that point on, he complied with my request. He put the young man on the bench. Uh, I proceeded to ask the officer to ask the young man his age because I wanted to make sure that uh, one, uh, that young man was conscious enough and uh, I think wise enough to understand the ramifications of what actually is happening in that moment and how it will affect him going forward in life. Uh, at that point in life, at that point in time, uh, the officer did ask the young man and he found out that officer was 14 year old and according to the United States law, that is a minor. And minors here, before you can do anything regards with uh, legal affairs, you need a guardian to be present and there was no present guardian. So I, stand, I came in as a standby guardian in that moment because here in the African community, you have to stand by the young man, regardless of where that young man is born. We stand by our own. We stand by who we believe that every man has a, or every woman has a right to raise up a child for the right way and showing them what is right in life. So I had, I took that responsibility here's what, on here's me. Here's what was, here's what was crazy. We played the video mm -hmm. and it seemed as if the initial officers were talking mm -hmm. with you. Yes. There were no issues. There were no problems. And all of a sudden, yes. this other officer who, had, who was not there, comes yes. up and just bum rushes the scene and yes. completely disrupts everything. Yes. So I, w I was in the process of uh, de-escalating the situation because, uh, you know, I I'm a peace-loving person. I believe in nonviolence. So I was in the process of engaging the officer so that he could de-escalate the situation. Then that third officer came in without the context or the, 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 the prior knowledge. He wasn't even the first responder, so he didn't have uh, the the... the, the, the I wouldn't say, uh, I don't know about jurisdiction, but he just didn't have the, the, the enough information to act on. At that point in time, I asked the officer, you know, why am, why am I being pushed? He, he continued to respond, this is an open investigation. He pushed me again, there was someone behind me, there, there was no way I was actually going to move, even if I, if I had the option to. And I continued to let him know, this is open space. Like, I've, I'm a metro rider. I've, I've, I've put in money into the metro system, so I, just by rights alone, I'm entitled to be in that position at that point in time. Then that officer continued to, to, to push me. He pulled out his taser. Before I could even respond, he tasers me. The first, when the first taser hit, I was in a state of shock because I, I knew I did not do anything wrong because I was... At any point in time, I was not threatening. The first officers who were the first responders were on the other side of the platform. So if I, I, I was a threat or any, in any, any way, they could have let me know in that position in time. And I would have respected the orders because I did not have the context too to question what they were doing. But I was more worried about the welfare of that young man, and which is I, I continually asked about the welfare of the young man. Nothing about the investigation, nothing why the officers or judging them of what is right or wrong. I just said, can you please treat the young man humanely? That's all.
And that's just by me exercising one of the oldest forms of humanity, which is compassion, I was taped. So I'm at a point where I now confuse uh, as what is right or wrong in our community, be it black or white, but this continually seems to be happening to black people. So as an African immigrant, I need to understand, you know, maybe I didn't get the memo that things have changed in here. So I, I need to understand. That's why I'm asking for justice. It's not a matter of like, oh, I want to, uh, uh, yes, I want to be, because someone did wrong and someone has to pay. Uh, I w yes, I'm not going to deny that fact. Someone has to pay. But we need to know as a society that this is black, how black people are going to be treated going forward. So that we know if this is where we put dollars here. We pay money. I'm an entrepreneur. Prior to even getting to my uh, cognitive damages, I was an entrepreneur. I provided intellectual capital to this nation. And this is how we treat people. So the, when, you know, in business, one thing I love, there's rankings. There's rankings of ease of doing business. And as an entrepreneur, the ease of doing business for me was escalated to a point where I cannot do business because I have cognitive injuries now. So I don't know if America is honest enough to, to rank itself according to black people continually to getting abused, whereby we provide also intellectual capital to this nation. So we need to be respected. Unfortunately, you're not respecting us. I have proof. I have intellectual property that I've contributed to this society. So this is how we treat the highest level of intellect. Contribution to humanity, you attaze me. That's how, that's, so I need, I need some form of understanding what I need to be doing as a human. If I'm doing good, I've, I've, worked, yeah, hard, I've worked hard. Yes. Ms. Ford, you said that, uh, first of all, uh, the charters were dropped. It's, it got lots of attention. Um, any apology? Anything from Metro Police? Uh, and when did you file the suit and what, and what kind of damages are you seeking? The suit was filed up September 17th. Um, and um, we are seeking compensatory damages um, for the pain and suffering, um, punitive damages. Obviously, the, the, we're still tolling damages because um, Mr. Tepi was the nature of the injuries. Um, the extent of that is actually unknown at this time. Um, when he used the word cognitive, that's referring to memory um, and concentration, the ability to perceive and understand information. Um, he's being tested in the process of being tested now, and it's, it's the injuries are substantial. First of all, um, have you talked to the young men? Have you communicated with them um, since this happened? Are you asking me, have I communicated with the young men who were being arrested? The, the young men that he oh, interfered you, 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 with? Yeah, yeah, well, first of all, either one of you. I have not made contact with the families of those um, young men. I understand they have reached out uh, to Mr. Masunza via social media um, to, you know, thank him for um, intervening, but no direct contact has been made since the lawsuit has been filed. Uh, sir, have you? I have not. Uh, so, you know, one thing uh, I, I was, why I haven't reached out immediately is because, you know, what, what else can I say to that young man? How do I console him? Because, you see, I, I, I may be mature enough to get over this and say, okay, you know what, I need to move on with my life, I need to figure out. But that's a young man who's just starting his career. Yeah, he's, the charges were dropped there, but that, that trauma, who's going to address that? How do I even console him and tell him, okay, I've taken up the burden, but... How is he going to move forward? He's just starting his life. If I wasn't there, he would have had an arrest record. Right. And here in America, it's not, I'm not, this is an open secret. Like, black people have a hard time here. It's not, it's not me talking negative around anyone. Someone was, you are going to cover a story about someone who just shot in their home. 
like, think about that. Someone in their home. So it's, it's like we cannot continue to hide around issues that are affecting our community. I personally have took a stance and say I'm not well, going to do business here. That's my stance. Well, first off, let me say this here. We certainly appreciate um, what you did. We appreciate the sister uh, who recorded that video as well. You're absolutely right. We can't say it takes a village to raise a child if the village does not step up uh, when those kids are targeted. And in fact, we covered this story. Uh, the cops didn't even know if those young men were involved in something that took place uh, a distance away. Well, they were clearly targeted as but simply because they were black. And so uh, we thank both of you very much. Please keep us up to date on what happens, what happens uh, with uh, this suit, with uh, this case, because we certainly want to keep our folks, Relamart Unfiltered, our uh, folks who watch it informed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Going to go to a break. I'll talk with, about this story with my panel and other issues when we come back. Broadcasting live from Chicago, the Blueprint Men's Summit. Roller Martin Unfiltered, back in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, fam, it's almost that time. The holiday season, of course, is, for many of us, the favorite time of the year. Now, whether you celebrate uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Ramadan, Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year's, all of these, of course, from October to the end of the year, this is when you think about spending time with the people you love the most. This is also the time to count your blessings and support those less fortunate and look at how you can have an impact on their lives. Well, I have the perfect opportunity for you to be a holiday hero have a major impact on other families. Here's the deal. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Americans are sitting in jail without being convicted of a crime. Why? Because they lack the financial resources to pay their bail. Now think about it. If you are arrested for any minor offense, you'll be taken directly to jail. If you don't have bail money, whether it's a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, you will stay there until a court date is scheduled. Now that could be days, weeks, or even months. America's bail system is broken and has created a two-tier system of justice, one for the rich and one for the poor. Folks, freedom should, not be, should, freedom should be free. That's why the Ebony Foundation is partnering with the Bail Project and is sponsoring the Home by the Holiday campaign. With your help, our goal is to bail out 1,000 people by New Year's Day. How's that for a holiday gift? A donation from you can change someone's life tomorrow, and here's why it is critical. People of color represent upwards of 90% of the jail population across the country. It ranges from 50 to 90% depending upon where you are. Of course, then when they stayed in jail, 90% of people with misdemeanors ended up pleading guilty. However, when bail was paid, 50% of the cases were dismissed and less than 2% received the jail sentence. Sometimes justice needs just us to join the fight. Folks, you can be a holiday hero by, by donating 25, 50 bucks or more to help the Ebony Foundation bring our brothers and sisters home for the holidays. To donate, go to homebytheholiday.com. That's H-O-M-E-B-Y-T-H-E-H-O-L-I-D-A-Y.com. And of course, the Ebony Foundation uh, is tied to Ebony Magazine. And so we certainly appreciate uh, the work that they're doing to assist those who are most in need. 
All right, folks, welcome back to Chicago, the Blueprint Men's Summit. This is where I'm broadcasting from. I now want to, uh, first off, bring in our panel right here, Dr. Niambi Carter, Howard University, Department of Political Science, Joanna LeBlanc, a National Security and Foreign Affairs Legal Analyst, Michael Brown, former Vice Chair, DNC Finance Committee. Folks, to hear that, that, that brother, I mean, I remember this story, but to hear him talk about why he stepped in uh, was was just amazing. And, and I think, and, and when you hear his concern and compassion for these young, these young black men, that was simply admirable. Absolutely. I mean, I think we hope that anybody would extend that measure of humanity to any person, young or old. I mean, I certainly um, am thankful that he was there that day to intervene because God knows what would have happened to those children had he not, uh, because he was an adult and who, who could take control of the situation in ways that young people sometimes do not feel empowered to do. And certainly those officers were not there for anybody to sort of interfere with what they were trying to do that day. Michael, Joanna? Well, you know what, Roman, we see a lot of, and as Professor Carter just mentioned, we're seeing a lot of that humanity, and we actually see it more from our people than we do from others. For example, whether folks thought it was right or wrong, what happened in the uh, Officer Gaynor trial at the end of that trial last week, you know, all the hugs going around from the victim's family, from the judge to the officer. Again, we can debate whether that was right or wrong or not, but it was people of color showing that kind of compassion. And hopefully that's what people see and that's what's highlighted. I think ultimately the gentleman is um, asking for justice and I pray that justice is served in his case because he did do the right thing. And we would hope that if any of our children were... Uh, sounds like, uh, hold on, Johanna, one second. I think we're having issues with your microphone. Because uh, 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 I'm not really hearing her clearly. So if y'all can check Johanna's microphone. Uh, and then uh, and then we'll uh, actually restart. So uh, please do that uh, because again she's sounding real hollow. I don't think we fully had her. So if uh, it's fixed, go, Johnna, go ahead. We would hope that all, all those gentlemen is asking for is justice, and I'm hoping that justice will be served. And I think every parent or every everybody in this world will hope that if their child were put in similar situation, someone would step in and be compassionate and ensure that the rule of law is applied. And even just that, and again, I pray that justice is served for him and, and many other black men in America. Well, again, I, I, just, I mean, certainly it's a story that we're going to be following, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm just glad to see uh, this um, brother step up uh, and come to the aid of those uh, young Brothers, Now, folks, let me uh, break something down. Y'all have been hearing me talk over and over and over again about Republicans trying to take over the federal judiciary. Let me be as clear, as unambiguous as possible. Any dumbass out there <laughs> who says, oh, my vote means nothing, all the people are the same, you are nuts. Let me explain to you what Republicans are trying to do and why you cannot sit your ass at home. The Senate Judiciary Committee on yesterday voted along party lines to confirm the nominee of Justin Walker, a man who earned a not qualified rating from the American Bar Association to become the next federal judge. Again, every Republican on the committee voted to advance Walker. Every Democrat said no. Who is Walker? 
He is a 37-year-old associate law professor at the University of Louisville who has worked as a speechwriter for Donald Rumsfeld, of course, previous Secretary of Defense. In addition, he clerked for former Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy and current Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Here's why this is an abomination. He has never tried a case, criminal or civil. He's never even been co-counsel in a case. Here is Foster actually trying to explain his qualifications to the Senate Judiciary Committee. So tell me why you have enough experience to be a district court judge. Well, Senator, I've spent my career immersed in the law with a record that I think shows my qualifications in four ways. First, in my primary role as a law professor, I teach students trial practice. I teach students criminal procedure, evidence, and constitutional law, all with a focus on litigation and really a focus on judicial decision-making. And I feel fortunate that I've been instrumental in helping prepare nearly 200 students to be ready to practice on day one, ready to hang out a shingle, which many of our students do, and ready to represent clients effectively in court. Second, in my role as an, as an academic, I've written hundreds of pages of law review articles about criminal procedure, about the judiciary, about constitutional law, and I've been lucky they've been published in some of the leading journals in the country. But third, I've done something unusual for a full-time law professor. I've maintained a private practice, and I've litigated complex questions of criminal procedure, civil procedure, constitutional law, criminal law, administrative law, labor law. I've litigated at a large national law firm, then as a solo practitioner, and now as a partner at another large national law firm as well as clerking for two Supreme Court justices. And fourth and finally, I think there's a reason that hundreds of local attorneys from my legal community have written some 17 letters to this committee saying that I have the skills to, to analyze complex legal questions, to think quickly on my feet, and maybe most importantly, to listen and learn with humility and an even-handed temperament. Now, folks, understand why he is being pushed forward. First, he's from Kentucky. Where's Mitch McConnell from, the Senate Majority Leader? Kentucky. He is vouched for this guy as well. But what is the most important thing here when it comes to Justin Walker? He's 37 years old. I keep trying to explain to y'all what Donald Trump has done is he has said to the Federalist Society, a right-wing legal group, he has said to white conservative evangelicals, I'm going to just let y'all pick whoever y'all want. They are by design, listen to me clearly, they are by design choosing federal judges with limited experience who are pro-business, anti-consumer, anti-civil rights, anti-environment, and they're picking them between the ages of 35 and 40 so they can be there for the next 40 to 50 years. These are lifetime appointments. I need y'all to do the math. This man is 37 years old. Let me say it again. He's 37 years old. That means 
That means, remember I told you, by the year 2043, this will be a nation that is majority people of color. That is 24 years. If this man serves on the federal bench for 40 years, he'll be 77. What did I just tell you? 24 years will be a nation majority of people of color. That means after America becomes a nation majority people of color, this man, if he stepped away at 77, means he will be on the bench for another 16 years and beyond. The Republicans want to control the federal judiciary for the next 50 years. That means they'll be ruling on what laws are constitutional and unconstitutional. This man's legal writings, he has argued that the FBI is not independent of the presidency. He has argued against environmental protections. I'm telling y'all, and Democrats, I'm going to go to you first, Michael Brown. Democrats have absolutely failed year in and year out every presidential election to underscore how critically important the federal bench is. In fact, I'm going to read for y'all. I posted this stuff on Twitter before I go to Michael. I'm going to read for you what Michael Steele. Now, mind you, Michael Steele is the former chairman of Republican National Committee. He knows how these Republican thinks. He knows exactly what's on their mind. This is what he tweeted. So how does someone become a federal judge who's never tried a case? Y'all need to listen to Roland S. Martin. Dems are supposed to be so woke, but you're sure damn sleeping on this. Michael, Republicans make the courts a main voting reason. Democrats don't, and that is a huge mistake. Absolute fact, and by the way, your tweet, I retweeted when I saw that. Um, but you know, as you've talked about, obviously, and you and I have talked about the same thing over and over again, elections have consequences. But moreover, we have to go back, and many of us did everything we could that had any kind of relationship with Senator Reid when he was majority leader, and begged him, do not take away that filibuster, because at some point, it will come back and haunt us. And that's what's happening right now. You don't need 60 votes. With then, it almost forced you to have not, uh, bipartisan support for a particular justice. But, 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 now, all you but need I is actually, 51. I, I got, I, but remember, Michael, but remember, Michael, but remember, remember, initially, the filibuster was taken away because, first of all, remember, the whole the nuclear option. Yep, yep. The initially, what, what, he, what, what, what McConnell has done He's taking a whole different level. Not only does he not care about that, he doesn't care about the blue slip, where, which means that if a yes, senator correct. puts in a blue slip, that puts a hole in the nomination. They, in the history of in, in the history of the Supreme Court, only three Supreme Court, only three federal judges have been confirmed when both states' senators submitted a blue slip. All three have taken place under Trump. They've, they've ignored the blue slip policy. It's gone. They have, they've, they've run roughshod over the bench, and they're going to continue to do it. Absolutely. You know, the unfortunate... Dr. Carter, this, 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 Dr. Carter, I know people who are watching, and they keep, they probably saying, Roland, why are you so bothered by this? Because I need people to understand, when you file a lawsuit, 
When you file a federal discrimination suit, when you file an education lawsuit, when you file a voter suppression lawsuit, when you file any kind of federal lawsuit, if they get their way, you're going to have, if Donald Trump wins re-election, he's going to, first of all, he's going to appoint probably by the end of this term more than 200 judges. If Donald Trump gets four more years, he likely will have the ability to appoint upwards of 500 federal judges. That is an unbelievable number. That's all, excuse me, Dr. Carr. That's also assuming, Roland, that the Senate stays the way it is. Obviously, if the Senate flips, right, right, right. But I mean, I think this is the the point that we are all that you've been sort of beating this drum for a really long time is that. People are playing the long game here. Republicans recognize that their share of the population is shrinking. They're not popular for most of this country, but they understand if they can control this nation's institutions, then they can have a reach that is far more consequential than this election or the next election. This will be Donald Trump's legacy. He's already had his crack at the Supreme Court and these other federal courts, and he's likely to get another Supreme Court justice if he wins another term, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg is hanging on, but she can't stay forever. I mean, and I think this is also a moment for us to think about what these Republicans have done. They don't actually care about norms, about consequence, about their own reputation. They let Merrick Garland hang around for 293 days. In fact, the Senate refused to do its job and hold a confirmation process for Merrick Garland. These people have made it clear they don't care about qualifications. They don't care about the American Bar Association and its ratings of any of their nominees. They want to control this country because they recognize the demographics are against them. But if they can control the institutions, then it really doesn't matter how this country changes racially or otherwise. And that's the game that they're playing. And Democrats need to get on board and start thinking the same way that these Republicans do, because they are playing a long strategy, and Democrats are playing checkers. Um, uh, Johanna, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, 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 it is it is baffling to me when people don't understand this. Yeah, we talk about the long game. Fifty years is real. That's half a century. You know, there there, there are some jobs in life that I, I I do believe that you can learn while you're you're working, right? But there are those that, such as becoming a federal judge, a, a lifetime appointment, um, you need experience. And, and teaching um, law students um, how to practice law does not qualify you to be a federal judge. And, and as you noted, Roland Martin, uh, our institutions have real issues. Like We have um, real problems when it comes to our criminal justice system. Um, our environmental laws and such. So to have someone on the bench who just does not have the experience is very problematic. And, and, and also, I want the public to, to be mindful that we, we will be paying Mr. Walker over $200,000 per year of taxpayers' dollars for him to perform a duty that I don't think he's qualified for. And, and it's very problematic. And this is Let why... People have to pay attention. Jahan, this, this, this thing is so much deeper. That They appointed a woman who had... And again, has nothing to do with her being a woman. She's a white woman. She had graduated. She had graduated, Doc, Dr. Carter. Michael, she had graduated just 11 years earlier from law school. Mm -hmm. She was 35 years old. You cannot tell me this woman somehow is so brilliant that she has earned a federal appointment at 35. 
But again, like you said, these people are thinking about, they're thinking about the youth, right? They're saying, I can have this person in play for 50 plus years, right? And that's what they're thinking about. They don't care about experience. They don't care about your ability to, to wade through the sort of sticky situations. As Jahana rightly points out, I'm, I don't think that reading about politicians and talking about politics makes me a politician, right? There's something fundamentally different about what I do as a study of political science and being a politician. The same thing with the law. But they don't care about that. They are ideologically driven and they are motivated by this desire to hold on to an America that does not exist, that most Americans don't even want. Look, real simple. If you, Michael, if you want to teach the law, <laughs> go right ahead. But being a federal judge for life is a hell of a lot different, yes. and I'm sorry. I think you need to at least step foot in the damn courtroom. <laughs> and, you know, Senator, Senator Graham, um, obviously, he, they have meetings and they, uh, they, they brief. Clearly, the, the, he, the guy knew what questions were coming, clearly. But those are the only questions he could even sound competent on, hence why Senator Graham asked him those. And he answered them the way he's been briefed to answer them. So, as Dr. Carter mentioned, as Ms. LeBlanc mentioned, they, their strategy is clear. It's in your face. They're not pretending. Mm -hmm. Though, and you and I have talked about this before, Roland, I still claim, even though Trump has said, look, sorry, 45, you know I don't like to say his name. <laughs> even though 45 said, hey, look, federal society, you pick these judges, there's still something to be said that Vice President Pence would pick the same judges. So why do they still like this guy being president? They would still get the same results. Easy. Same kind of stuff. No, no, no. Actually, act, you, know, you know what? Here's why. I, I'm telling you right now. Um, unless, they believe what they, unless they believe what he says. And another thing we no, have to look at. I, I think, I, I, here's, here's the deal. I'm being straight up. Mike Pence, former member of Congress, former governor. Mike Pence is a politician. Donald Trump does, actually doesn't care about the job of president. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, I, I call him <laughs> Trump, I guess I'm opposite. So Donald Trump actually uh, was doing it by design. What you have here is the fact that they probably will run into more resistance from Mike Pence because he will want to pick his own judges. Oh. Now, he's aligned with them. He will want to. And let me be real clear. This is, this is, I fundamentally believe this. I tweeted this earlier. This is what's going on and why Republicans uh, have no problem with Trump. They say all this stuff privately. They think he's nuts. They think he's crazy. They think he's out to lunch. But guess what he's doing? He's giving all of the factions, the three main factions of the Republican Party, everything they want. Evangelicals. They want the Supreme, they want the Supreme Court and the federal bench. He said... Okay, here you go. The pro-business Republicans, what do they want? Massive tax cuts and end all regulation on anything. Donald <laughs> Trump's like, party favor, here you go. The third, the strong defense Republicans. Donald Trump, $700 billion uh, increasing uh, to, to the Pentagon. Massive increase in the budget every single year. Okay, y'all get what y'all want. So... Those three entities are laying back saying, we're perfectly fine. Yeah, he's nuts. But guess what? We're getting everything that we want. So we're going to ride this sucker till the wheels fall off. 
Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And I think that um, Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Mitch, Mitch McConnell was was very excited about um, um, this this entire process with, with the Senate in terms of getting this um, this nominee this. Um, you know, confirmed and such, because as we know, Mitch McConnell hasn't really cared much about anything in, in, in the Senate except for um, judicial nominations, getting them confirmed. It has been his sole priority as um, the, the leader in, in the Senate. And, and there are countless bills sitting um, in the Senate that, has, that have not been touched, because that is not um, the priority of, 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 of Mitch McConnell, unfortunately. All right, folks, got to go to a break. Um, first and foremost, let me say this here. I want to thank uh, all three of you uh, for being with us. Uh, I know being on the road makes it a little bit more difficult, but uh, your perspective is critically important. And I'm telling you right now, everybody watching right now, you better tell your friends, tell your family that the courts, they matter. If Republicans stay in control of the Senate and keep the White House, it's going to be game over for any civil rights protections we have in this country. I'm telling you that right now. You can bookmark this, earmark this, pick the point, and watch it happen if it actually holds up. Johanna, Dr. Dr. Carter, Michael Brown, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Folks, coming up next, I'm going to chat with my man Kirk Whalum. He has a new CD out. Can't wait to check it out. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Chicago's site of the Blueprint Men's Summit. I'll be back in a moment. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. Taking place in Cabo, November 7th through the 11th. Of course, if you want to attend, uh, go to lifeluxjazz.com, L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com. But if you cannot be in Cabo for those four days, 14 different uh, amazing artists, then, of course, you could live stream it. Get, get your live stream pass at gfntv.com. That's gfntv.com. As I said, amazing artists, Gerald Albright, Alice Bunyong, Kirk Whalum, Donna McClurkin, uh, Shalia, Roy Ayers. Uh, man, it's going to be an unbelievable uh, three-day extravaganza. And so uh, look forward to you participating. And again, get your live streaming pass to cover those three days, all 14 concerts. You'll be able to watch right here on your phone, on your uh, iPad computer. does not matter. Go to gfntv.com. That's gfntv.com to get your live stream pass. All 
All right, folks, Roland Martin here broadcasting live for the Blueprint Men's Summit here in Chicago. Right now, of course, you just saw we talked about Life Lux Jazz. Don't forget to go to GFNTV.com to get that live streaming pass. And one of the folks who are going to be there is my favorite artist, jazz saxophonist from Memphis, Kirk Whalem. Uh, and he actually has a new album out. Kirk, what's up, my brother? Man, you you are up, as always, man. I, I've just been tracking with you, man, speaking truth, you know, as always. What, what, man, is always glad to have you here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, folks, I'm the, the people out there that need to understand something. I got every Kirk Whalem album. Matter of fact, okay, I don't have one. Kirk was supposed to send it to me. I ain't got it yet. But anyway, I got all of Kirk Whalem. I got all of Kirk Whalem's album. I'm talking about going back to his first one, floppy disk. Uh, and then, of course, all the way through. And so, uh, Kirk, uh, so which, which album is this? How many albums have you now put out? Man, that's a good question, Roland, because uh, some of them, as you know, I did some records, for instance, with BWB, with, with uh, uh, some with Bob James. You know, it, it, a lot of the stuff that I've done is collaborations. Uh, but solo records, 26, I believe, uh, including the Newman wow. Humanity. Wow. So let's so let's, let's so let's talk about uh, first of all before we get to get to the new one, um, uh, take folks through just just that process uh, in terms of um, you putting an album together because uh, uh, there's certain themes, certain focuses. I remember when you did in this life, it was this bluegrass, gospel, jazz, all core the different things, and then you had other other albums like colors and then you uh, different ones and so um as you're putting together your next album project i mean what are you thinking how are you processing it how does it come together sure it's a journey man it's it's an evolution you know really it's kind of like going with the river you know uh, i remember someone once told me about the mississippi river you know you don't get to tell it where to go it tells you and uh, really, that's that's how the spirit is when it comes to the creative arts. Um, you, you just sort of go with what what, what, what inspires you and uh, what animates you. And for me, you know, it, all along the way, man, it's like I'm, I'm sort of, you know, moving left and right. It's, it's, it's been really something. But it all began, as you know, when Bob James heard me when I was living in Houston playing there, man, with my band uh, at a place called Cody's. And and all all, the, all along the way, I've had really great mentors like Bob Payne uh, to help me kind of know, you know, know, you know help, help maybe not to make too many uh, mistakes or judgment, you know, because it's a process making records, especially, you know, where we all started. You know, Terrence Blanchard, Donald Harris, and all of us, you know, we started around the same time. <clears throat> We all got signed to Columbia Records in, in around, you know, 1983. And so, man, in that time, you had to really know the process, the recording process, production, and all of that. Now it's a little different because of the technology, right? But um, I'm grateful that I got in at that time. When it comes to, first of all, folks who may not realize, you talk about those collaborations. I mean, you played with some amazing people. Uh, I've heard your music so long, I actually know your sounds. So I can listen to a song, and I'm like, "That's Kurt." <laughs> uh, and so, for folks who don't, folks who don't know, um, tell them some of the biggest hits that you played on with some of the biggest stars. Sure, 
Well, I, I played on a lot of Luther Vandross records. Uh, he once told me, he said, I don't like saxophone, but I like you because you play like a singer. <laughs> and so basically, he would have me play on just about every record he did. Um, and, you know, songs like Anyone Who Had a Heart <clears throat> and that type of thing. But then, you know, with Whitney Houston, I, I was just touring with her. Uh, Ricky Minor and, and Paul Jackson Jr., you know, we were just on the road. And one of the stops was to, you know, finish up this movie. She had finished the movie except for this one scene, and that was where she sang that song to Kevin Costner. And so there we were. She insisted on doing doing live in the film, and that our her band, us, had to be live as she sang. And so I will always love you. Now I can say because of her insisting that saxophone solo I played on that song is the sax solo that's been heard by more people than any other saxophone solo. You can imagine when I found that little factoid out, I kind of got freaked out, Nick, because I'm thinking Cannibal Larry, you know, John Coltrane, you know, Grover. I mean. Me? You know, it, it was pretty, pretty, um, pretty scary thought. The um, saxophone is obviously uh, a much different instrument. Uh, and um, so how many different saxes do you play? Because you've got, first of all, how many different saxes are there? So you got soprano sax. Right. You got tenor sax, alto sax, baritone sax. Am I missing anything? No. Well, you're not, except that at the extremities, there are some saxophones that they've stopped making now. There's a tiny one called a Sopranino, and it's just, to me, it's like a waste of time. It's just too tiny, and it's a little annoying. And then there's a huge one that's bigger than the baritone. It's a bass saxophone. Once again, it's impractical. I mean, you need to roll the thing along, you know, on its own cart. But, um, you know, alt soprano, alto, and tenor, this is the tenor, those are the main three. And it's like a choir, like people, you know, think of the, the voices in the choir, soprano, alto, tenor, and baritone. There you go. All right, so let's talk about uh, the new album. Um, uh, what What's the focus? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What is it? Yeah, I could, I could talk a long time about that, so you don't have to cut me off. Uh, it's called Humanité, and my French speakers there in your, in your city and all over the world know that humanité in French means humanity. And it was my pleasure to do 14 collaborations with emerging artists from eight countries, some established artists as well, like the number one artist in South Africa, Sahara, the number one artist in Indonesia and in Southeast Asia, uh, Afghan. Uh, you know, I go on and on, Marcus Miller, Keiko Matsui. But, you know, this record is really, it was my 60th birthday present to myself, and that was last year, <laughs> um, you know, to to go around the world, man, places that I've been and I've engaged with these young artists. Many of them have my age. They, they call me Uncle Kirk, you know, U-N-K-I-R-K. Uncle Kirk, that's my name on this record. Because I'm collaborating with these young people in their space, and we made a project that really will remind you, well, the last time I saw you was here in Memphis for the 50th anniversary of this, the assassination of Martin King. And he always talked about the beloved community. And that's what Humanité is all about. It's about all of the various colors, the diversity of the world, at the end of the day, we're all alike. We all have the same needs in the sense of needing to be affirmed, needing to, you know, to be accepted unconditionally. And God accepts us. We're created in God's image, and God accepts us as we are. And, and then, you know, the, the relationship that we have with him is about us being more and more like him, right? But, man, this record is about collaborating with all these great artists. Man, I had more fun. I ate more food. 
in Kenya and Japan and South Africa and you know the deal and France. It was crazy. So I see. So title, uh, titles, move on up. Everybody uh, ought to be free. Don't get me wrong. Wake up, everybody. Wildflower, get your wings up. Now I know SJL, Koga uh, Rocho, uh, blow for you. Quetu, uh, peace. We shall overcome you from the east to the west. So about it. That certainly uh, uh, definitely speaks to uh, uh, the, the, uh, the world traveling you did with those titles. Oh, oh, absolutely, man. You know, Kodogocho, for example, is a slum in Nairobi. Of course, I know you've been to Nairobi, but Kodogocho is, is literally next to the city dump. So these children in this music program, I recorded these kids, man. My producer, James McMillan from England, we went and recorded these kids, man. And they had never been in the studio, didn't even know how they worked. And those kids have to, their, their music program is outdoors in this slum. They burn the trash in the dump. And the smell wafts over into where these kids are making music, man. And to me, it's just it just breaks my heart that that's the environment in which they have to make music. But you know what? It's the most beautiful music, man. It just touches your heart. And those kids were so happy to be a part of this. And that story is told over and over again on Humanity Tape. Like these collaborations with the far-flung corners of the world where, you know, you hear that you feel the culture, the, the pulse of the culture in the music. Something like Kwetu. You know, and same thing in Nairobi, the artist Aaron Rimbui, a great jazz pianist uh, from, from Kenya. I mean, you know, then we go to, to, to Indonesia. Oh, I was about to say what? Nigeria. We, we recorded with a Nigerian artist who lives in Paris. As you know, I used to live in Paris. I speak French. So she and I recorded in Paris. Her name is Asha. But she, you know, is originally from Lagos. And man, you know, just the, the inspiration that you and I got that day in Memphis, I carried that into this process that you and I wrote a song called We Shall Overcome You. And it was for the Parkland, Florida kids, man, talking to the NRA. Like, you know what? We are going to overcome you. And we're not going to be like you, you know? It's these, these are the things that I was able to weave into this, this humanity project. Well, uh, the CD is called Humane. Folks, we certainly want you to get it. Kirk, you got all those saxophones surrounding you. Let's hear something. Shoot, man, I don't know. Uh, the, 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 does, uh, does a saxophone even make a sound? listening just so y'all know y'all heard kirk didn't tell your neighbor that song that song's called glow that's <laughs> off his cd and you know that his second cd let me tell you something right now i'm being straight up if you can't get none in playing that song go to a monastery i'm telling you right now that is an absolute love making song huh Hey man, listen. Uh, this is Biscuit, and I, I think even Biscuit likes that song, man. <laughs> that is a love-making song. I'm telling y'all. I, play, oh, I, play I, I, I didn't ask this question. I, I, I play that song in the dog next door. I want to watch out. This is coming. <laughs> 
Okay, I gotta get this. I gotta get this in. I didn't ask this here. Um, one thing you do, Kirk. You and you. Uh, first of all, your ministry is hugely important. Your faith is important. You infuse all of your music with that. We know about the uh, gospel according to jazz. Uh, just why is that so important? Because on so many of your albums, I mean, there, there's a gospel song on every single one of those albums. Well, really. You know, I, my my life revolves around the hesed of God. In other words, that word in, in Hebrew means the loving kindness and tender mercies of God extended to me. That's, that's the only way I got to do what I'm doing and share what I'm doing with the world. God's unconditional love for me manifests in Jesus the Christ, man. And so with me, it's not about me going and pushing that on anybody. It's about me. I can't help myself. I'm so grateful and I'm so uh, inspired to share that message that, you know, I accept you, not just because I'm like, I'm a good person. No, I accept you because God accepts you and he accepted me and I know how I am. So for him to accept me, man, all I can do is accept you. And that is the message of humanity. And if, by the way, it's a documentary that we made as well. But filmmaker went all over the world with us to make that, that, that documentary. And this record is really, really something. Well, your daddy was a pastor. Your brother, uh, Reverend Kenneth Whalem, pastor. I, I, do, I do his men's service uh, every year uh, in April there in Memphis. And when, when, when are we going to have this massive Whalem project? You got, you got Peanut, uh, your nephew, Court, uh, your nephew plays with Bruno Mars. Your other nephew played with Maxwell. Your brother sings. Your other brother sings. When are we going to have this massive Whalem family project? So we we actually did that for my mother's for our mother's 80th birthday. All right. So Helen, I love you, baby. We did this. We did the whole project. Just called Helen. It's got her picture on the cover, and that doesn't even have songs listed. But but we got all got together, man. Except Uncle Peanuts, he's 90 now, and you know he can't do it. But man, we're gonna do that. Actually, we do something here in Memphis, Roland. I want to get you to come. It's called Cafe Kirk. The word Kirk, of course, means church. So I feel like this Cafe Kirk is like a space in the middle between a, a public space and, and a sacred space. And so in that space, man, I'm inviting, for instance, Bob James is coming on November 3rd. Um, I've had Keiko. Man, I've had some of your favorite artists, man. I had Sheila E. You know, it's been crazy. But that's something that we're going to—I've had Cameron and, and, and Cortland on that one. Uh, but I'm going to have all these Whalums together at one point, man, at Cafe Kirk. And that's at Crosstown Concourse in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Every first Sunday. You you let me know when that happens. I'm there. You know, I'm always there. Uh, I, I got your back. I'm always checking you out. Uh, and, uh, you, know, you know, that would absolutely uh, be awesome. Folks, I'm telling y'all, uh, get the new CD, Humane. Uh, and while you're there, go ahead and get a floppy disk. And you know that. Go ahead and get colors. Go ahead and get uh, for you. Go ahead and get all of them because y'all know I'm always uh, tweeting the music as well. Kirk Whalem, always good to see you, my brother. Man, people can just type my name in, the, in the, any social media. Just type Kirk Whalem and they got me. All right, then. You take care. I'll see you soon. Peace out, brother. All right, take care. All right, folks. Uh, always having a good time. In fact, y'all, this is a funny story. When we went to MLK 50 uh, commemoration, uh, Kirk was playing, and he was uh, playing Do You Feel Me? And actually, that was the theme song that I played on my radio show on WVO in Chicago. And so Kirk called me on stage to sing it. And the problem is they were singing in a higher key. But we still had a little fun with it. I'm going to show y'all that video uh, one day. All right, folks, got to go to a break. 
we come back, I'm going to chat with Chef Jeff Henderson right here at the Blueprint Men's Summit in Chicago. We're going to talk about criminal justice reform, culinary arts. Could that be the future for a lot of brothers in terms of choosing the career path? That's next. Roller Martin Unfiltered, live in the Windy City. Back in a moment. Forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. AFSCME members don't just hand over our voice on the job and our seats at the table. Five justices don't get to decide our future, and no one can steal our freedom unless we let them. When the Janus decision went against us, we became energized, not demoralized. The billionaires and their political allies targeted AFSCME members with dishonest propaganda campaigns. But when they try to get us to turn on each other, we lock arms in solidarity, defiant and determined. Since the Janus decision, for every person who has dropped their AFSCME membership, several more have decided to join. Adversity brings out the best in us. The more ferociously they come after us, the more fearless we become. In the face of the ruthless attacks against our union, we show the same courage, loyalty, and resilience we demonstrate every day in serving our communities. And more and more people recognize the importance of unions, the role we play in empowering working people and acting as a check on corporate power. Unions are enjoying the strongest popular support in years. We didn't just survive the Janus case. We stared down this crisis and emerged with renewed strength. We're alive and kicking, winded our back, ready to go on offense, with heightened levels of activism, more inspired and emboldened than ever. We are AFSCME Strong. All right, folks, welcome back to the Blueprint Men's Summit here in Chicago. Lewis Carr, longtime advertising executive, uh, puts on this men's conference. Their theme is from the block to the boardroom. And joining me right now is one of the speakers, uh, Chef Jeff Henderson. Uh, glad to have you here. Roll on Unfiltered. What's up, man? Thanks for having me, Roland. All right, then. So uh, first and foremost, um, you do lots of events, lots of conferences, all this sort of good stuff. Yes. Uh, what makes this men's summit different from others that you do? Yeah, I think it what makes a difference is the fact that it's a fellowship of black men who are successful that sharing success strategies, and everyone here is almost like a brand evangelist who leave this pro who leave leave this conference to go back in their prospective communities to help create blueprints to help brothers stay out of the system, people find jobs, create those opportunities, and get those second chances. You talk about staying out of the system. I mean, you con you often talk about your history. Uh, the time you spent uh, in prison, what, what you were going through. Take folks through who don't know your story, uh, how you were able to go to make that turn and then uh, correct the path. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been out of prison now 23 years. I went to prison back in 1987. 
uh, during the crack cocaine era. I was selling drugs since I was like 17 years old. Uh, I got indicted by the feds, went to prison. I was in federal prison when it was called Club Feds. I was in prison with Ivan Bosky, co-defendant Michael Milken, you know, federal judges, Wall Street guys. And when I was in there, I took business and marketing classes. The Wall Street guys ran these business classes. They had a Toastmasters, a mastermind. And one of the multimillionaire Wall Street guys told me when he heard me speak at Toastmasters, he said, Jeff, when you was on the street selling drugs, you understood marketing, branding, bottom line, profit and loss. He says, all you got to do is change the product. So I never heard those words. This connected the dots. So I built relationships with these guys, got fired on my job. They put me in the kitchen on pot and pan detail. Never knew I had a bug, a talent for cooking. Eventually became the head inmate cook. Then I got out of prison in 1997, and a chef in Beverly Hills gave me a job washing dishes. And the rest is history. I worked my way all the way up to becoming the first African-American executive chef running restaurants at Caesars and Bellagio in Las Vegas. So I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to start with um, um, first what you just said in terms of what that guy told you about the knowledge and expertise you had. I remember it's probably it was in the 80s. In fact, it was in the 80s. My dad watched five hours of news a day. We always watch ABC. So I remember it was a story on ABC World News Tonight, and they had arrested a major drug dealer in Washington, D.C. And I remember the story vividly because they detail the brilliance of this brother, how he structured his drug enterprise. And I remember the reporter saying and the prosecutor saying that this guy essentially was running a Fortune 500 company. Mm. And just what, you, just what you described, they talked about, oh, and I'll never forget that story. So, so, so how, how do we get young brothers and sisters to understand that you, you have it, but I, one is, is legal, yes. and the other can earn you billions with hedge yes. funds or whatever. And it's killing our people. My thing is, is I tell guys who come from that life, is that we got to show them where the money is. We got to show them how to hustle legit, get them access. Many of us who come from poverty in the neighborhood, we learn how to negotiate early. Those survival traits, we know how to make something out of nothing. And through my era, I'm 55, Roland. In my era, in 1982, I remember vividly, crack cocaine that showed up in the neighborhood. This boom showed up. Somebody came up with an idea to make cocaine affordable to every American with that cheaper version. I was a newspaper boy. I was a candy seller. Uh, uh, I had a lawnmower in junior high school. So you were doing entrepreneurial things. Yes, yes, I always, yes, selling. But all of a sudden, this comes along a lot more money, a lot faster. Yes, and but not realizing the impact that crack had on mass incarceration. One out of four black males between 17 and 29 in prison. We didn't understand that. It wasn't until we got to prison. And I think for me, I've always, I've always had an entrepreneurial drive and an entrepreneurial spirit. I just needed somebody to pull my coattail to say, take these skill sets and do something else. So food became my new hustle. Like rap became Jay-Z's new crack. Food became my new crack. You know, so it's like, how do we take the, the natural skill sets in these guys and gals and say, let's channel that somewhere else legitimately, and you could be a baller, you could be successful, you could live the American dream, doing it the right way. Now I want to go to the next one. 
He gave you a job washing dishes. Yes. I remember, so my brother had catering business. Uh, that was guy my sister was one of my sisters was married to. Was in the game selling mm. drugs. My brother offered him a job as a dishwasher. He was offended. He was pissed off. Mm. He was uh, he was more concerned about his cornrows. Sure about his cornrows. And I'm sitting here going, and I've heard other people talk about that. I ain't washing dishes. But first of all, washing dishes, that's the entry, the entree yes. to the kitchen. Yes. It doesn't mean you're going to always be washing dishes. Yes. If you got a dishwashing mindset, that's where you're going to stay. You all, sometimes we got to take the lesser job to get the better job later. So that was the entree for me. I went from washing dishes to prep cook to cook eventually sous chef, and that's how I was able to wind up becoming an executive chef. Sometimes we got to take those less jobs, especially having a criminal record, no experience, prison GED. Sometimes that's where we have to start. And it's funny you mention it because the man who gave me my first job out of prison 23 years ago, he's here. Wow. Yes. Chef. It's Robert Gatsby right here who hired me 23 years ago. How out you of doing? Prison. You, you hired him. What did you see? What did I see? I saw someone that was desperately wanting to change his life. So I said, well, just give him a chance. And when you say give him a chance, uh, he, I, we were just talking about uh, he started, started off washing dishes. Yes. Was that a test? Well, first of all, you have to start from the bottom and work your way up. First of all, the, the early stages of, is you have the first part is your discipline. The first discipline is can you wash dishes? Are you a patient? Do you have attention to detail? Are you clean and are you organized? And the most important person in the kitchen is the dishwasher, not just cooks. Without this equipment, your knives, forks, spoons, the china, the tabletop presentation, if you don't have them, you don't have anything. But you got a lot of people, though, who get offended with starting other dishes. Well, you have to understand. At the end of the night, you turn to the chef, to the dishwasher, and say, did we have a good evening? You'll say yes or no. If there's so much food coming back that's in the garbage, that means you're not doing a good job. But if he says yes, then he doesn't have to lie because the garbage says it all. If the garbage is barely empty because there's only garnishes, there's no real food other than bones, he's done a good job. And he knows better than anyone else. So the customer doesn't have to say yes, we had a great time. If the food comes back, they couldn't have had a great time because if you enjoy the food that much, there will be nothing left on your plate. So you see him now. You proud? Oh, absolutely, I'm proud. All right, then. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Pleasure. <laughs> chef, right, you chef. take your story across the country. You talk yeah. to various people. Um, how many, uh, how many young cats have you had uh, who get it, who hear you and go, that makes sense. Quite a few. You know, my story is highly respected. My come up, my success in prisons all across this country. Every month, I'm in federal, state, juvenile prisons. So when I go into these prisons, I talk about the decriminalization of the mindset. And how that begins is figuring out what your gift is, what your self-worth is. So a lot of cats who was making big money on the streets, I say, you got two choices. You got this world, the criminal world, is going to give you instant hood wealth. Then you got this other world over here where you got to play the long game. But guess what? The consequences and the payoff is not prison or not death. When you walk on concrete every day, when you're sitting on a stainless steel toilet, strip searches, be dehumanized, humiliated throughout your prison, I say, 
Who wants to live like this? You know, you got a choice to make. And once I figured out how to take the transferable skills that I use to become a millionaire at 19, what, what, what could I, what are those skills I could take the criminal element out? Selling, marketing, relationship building, put on a, this is my costume, clean shaven, got my grill fixed, took makeup, covered my earring all up, manicured hands. I learned from this man. I watched how he walked, how he talked, his language. I watched him build relationships and communicate with people who didn't look like us. So I always had gift of gab. I always was able to move through different gang neighborhoods, Crips, Bloods, Mexicans, white guys. So if I can do it on the streets, I can do it in the corporate world. And so I just took those skill sets that were transferable and utilized them. I do not want to diminish uh, the skill set of culinary arts. I think you understand my point here. First of all, my grandmother catering business. Yes. My dad was a chef in the family. My brother's an executive chef. So been around food my whole life. Yes. But the reason I'm saying that is because there's a brother or sister out there who says, I'm not fit for Ivy League. I'm not fit for the Howard. I'm not fit for a four-year college. Mm-hmm. But I explain to them, but you can cook. We gonna always eat. Yes. And there are different types of chefs. Yes. Uh, they 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 run the gamut for all yes. over, and it, it is it is an opportunity for somebody to actually have a career, take care of their family, and build their family. I think for a lot of times, a lot of us get caught up in thinking I'm not smart enough for a doctor or a lawyer, but you cook for doctors and lawyers. Yes. Who pay you well? Yes. Yes. And so, so how, how do we get that through to people uh, to also understand that? Well, I, I think that if you have the gift of cooking, and like you said, there's different elements of culinary arts. You got high-end, low-end, hospital cooking, institutional cooking. You got catering. It's food. So, every, yeah, it's food. Watch well, everybody. It's food everywhere. Yes. And, and, it, and it's one of and the... somebody cr- got to cook it. Exactly. And it ain't going to come from China. Yeah, and no, art- <laughs> art- and, and no uh, artificial uh, uh, intelligence is going to cook the food because it can't taste it. If you want some ribs, it's not going to be shipped from Thailand. Ex- somebody got to be on that grill. Exactly. So, so the food industry is one of the few industries that door is wide open for returning citizens. And the reason why is you usually come in through the back door, you go home through the back door. You don't even see the customer. You have no access to credit cards. It's tough grind work. So this is why this industry is big and it was wide open for me. But for me now as a chef who have reached the Bellagio, Caesars, Rich Carlton, now it's like how can I create other opportunities for returning citizens. So I recently launched Alternative Labor Solutions. So I'm working with companies now to help them identify, recruit, develop for long-term retention returning citizens coming out of the system. Because now companies have no choice but to look at the 700,000 people who get released from prison every single year. They could no longer exclusively depend on immigrant and non-felon labor anymore. They have no choice but to say, shit, how do we deal with them? I, need, I don't know how to talk to them. We're a little nervous. That's where I come in. And I come in and say, look, here's the best practices. What, what, what formerly, formerly incarcerated citizens will you hire? Which ones you won't? And then I put together a best practice list for them to go ahead and hire these people and get them in the systems. All right. How can folks follow you? Chef Jeff Live on Instagram and Twitter. And my website is chefjefflive.com. All right.
Chef, we appreciate it, man. My man. Uh, you cooking tomorrow, right? Yes, sir. All right, then. What, what are we eating? Maple braised beef short ribs. All right. Yes. I'm ready. All right. All right. My I man. appreciate it. Thanks Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. I, I got to get you to the kitchen with my brother. Yes. Now, where are you based? Vegas. Okay. And when you come out there, I got you. I want to cook. Bring you to All my right. house. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you sure out. I'm going to get your number, and I'll we'll do it. I'll pass it to you, folks. All right. My I man. appreciate it. Thank you, brother. It. All right, folks. Got to go to a break. We come back. More from Blueprint Men's Summit. Back in a moment from Chicago. All right, sure I appreciate it. Sure Thank you, much. Remember, I'll give you this in. Huh? Yeah, my pal's tomorrow. Uh, sure, I'm at the lunch. There you go. Where is the only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keeps it real? As Roland Martin. Where's the brother who's a comedian? He just walked by. You know what I'm talking about? Going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Play Maxine next. All right, y'all, so uh, you came back to me here. So Maxine Waters, uh, we were at the Spirit Democracy Awards, uh, and, of course, we live-streamed that. And so uh, uh, she had some uh, nice things to say about Roland Martin Unfiltered. I want to go ahead and play that for you. Uh, you have stood the test of time. Uh, you have no fear. You have courage. You're brilliant, and you have shown up everywhere that you needed to be. I appreciate your voice. Appreciate you are our talking drum. Give him a big round of appreciate applause. Well, we certainly appreciate those kind words from Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Thank you so very much. Again, folks, we are here at Lewis Carr's uh, Blueprint Man Summit uh, here in Chicago uh, at the uh, W Hotel. And so a lot of different uh, folks have been coming through here uh, earlier today. New York Knicks, uh, former New York Knicks star, Alan Houston, uh, presented uh, about his mentor program. Will Packer, my alpha brother, of course, uh, uh, uber Hollywood producer, television producer as well. Uh, he held a panel here talking about the images uh, of a black men. Uh, uh, Judge Greg Mathis, he also uh, is one of the speakers. I'm looking down the hallway for some of the other folks uh, who are here. Uh, so like I said, Judge Mathis, uh, tomorrow, Hill Harper is going to be joining us. And so we're looking forward to Hill as well. I'm going to be doing a session talking about voting. And so we got some other guests uh, who are about to come on down. And so we're looking uh, for them to, uh, to make their way down here. What you're seeing right now, go back to the other shot there, Henry. Uh, what you're seeing there is uh, the, uh, uh, the car lounge. Uh, and so what you have going on in that room there, uh, you have uh, brothers who are getting haircuts in there. you got a DJ in there. they got food. That's sort of the hangout area. Uh, Henry, go back to that shot of the lounge uh, people see. And so what you got here is well, you got you got the lounge area going on here. Again, you got folks there who can actually mix. You've got, uh, the uh, of course, where the sessions are taking place. Uh, some 400 uh, folks have registered, 400 brothers. And there's all brothers here. You see, you see, uh, they got the basketball uh, hoop in there. There's also a golf putty green in the lounge as well. Uh, some 400 brothers are, are here uh, for this uh, summit. Uh, and then what you also have uh, going on, 100 uh, young boys are going to be here 
uh, tomorrow. The bunk will be here tomorrow. And so, um, uh, uh, first of all, Lewis Carr, of course, uh, who has put this on. We're waiting for him uh, to uh, to make his way down here. Uh, his session, I believe, uh, is almost ending. And so there are so many different people who are here. Again, and I'll tell you what was great. I mean, y'all saw me, saw me talk at the Alpha Convention when I was in Las Vegas. Uh, more than a 1,000 black men uh, who were there. Uh, when you hear people say, uh, in terms of where all the brothers are, trust me, you got brothers who are doing some great things. Uh, and so um, uh, there are brothers who are doing thing, great things all across uh, this country. And it was important for us to show you this so you can actually see for yourself. I mean, that, that's what was critically important. Uh, I think all too often, I think all too often, uh, what happens is we hear these stories about black men not doing this, black men not doing that. But the reality is you have uh, some brothers uh, who are doing some amazing things. You have sessions on health, sessions uh, on wellness, uh, sessions on motivation. Uh, and so uh, it, it really has been a uh, solid. We came today, even though my session is tomorrow. we got some interviews that we'll be doing. Also, there's a young brother. I'm going to be interviewing him tomorrow. Uh, he is a coder. He's a coder. This brother here is about uh, 14, 15 years old. And so we'll be sitting down and chatting with him as well. Uh, and also tomorrow, Orlando Pace, uh, Joe Dumars, former, uh, first of all, Hall of Famer, former exec with the Detroit, Detroit Pistons. Uh, he's going to be here. Orlando Pace, like I said, uh, also uh, Richard Dent, another Hall of Famer. They're going to be talking about sports uh, and uh, activism. And so just an, an amazing lineup of folks uh, covering two days uh, here in Chicago. And so in just a moment, we'll be chatting with uh, more of the folks here. So I'm waiting for them. Uh, to make their way down here uh, to have a conversation with us. Um, also, one of the things that we want to uh, reiterate to all of you, earlier in the show we talked about uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings. He's going to be lying in state in, in the uh, National Statuary Hall next week, next Thursday, uh, all day on Thursday. Then on Friday, there will be a public viewing for him, 8, 8, 8 a.m., at uh, New Psalms at his church in Baltimore. The funeral will take place at 10 p.m. So those of you who missed that earlier, uh, the funeral arrangements for uh, Congressman Cummings, uh, they have been released. And so uh, we certainly uh, will be covering that story uh, next week as well. And so uh, as we wait uh, for our next guest, uh, 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 Henry, uh, let me know in terms of uh, who's coming down and when they're coming down. I want to be able to... Um, to chat with them. It was great talking with Chef Jeff Henderson, uh, talking about, of course, uh, what he is doing on, on, on the culinary art side. Again, Heron's going to take another shot uh, in the other, in the room there, of course, where the brothers are in uh, the lounge there. What you'll also see, you'll see some of the uh, uh, folks uh, who are bringing uh, food on by as they are uh, like all kinds of things that happen. So this is this is the welcome reception sort of time that's taking place uh, as we speak. Uh, also, Dougie Fresh is here, uh, and he is on his way. And so certainly looking forward uh, to chatting with him. He'll be providing entertainment for the brothers here. And so, uh, Dougie, can't wait till he get on down here. As y'all know, uh, I am, uh, and trust me, y'all might think I'm lying. I will, Dougie Fresh is going to confirm it for you. Uh, I am Dougie Fresh's official hype man. Okay, if y'all think I'm joking, y'all about to learn something when he comes down here for our conversation because trust me, uh, I have uh, gotten the party started on many occasions, gotten them hyped for my man Dougie. Now look, I ain't getting on the microphone and doing the beatbox, but I'm telling you right now, uh, I will get the party uh, started. And so uh, here we go. And so uh, right now joining us, of course, is the founder of 
uh, the uh, Blueprint Men's Summit, Lewis Carr. He's making his way over here. And so we'll chat with Lewis in just a second. And so uh, step on in. Y'all see we got the velvet rope here. It's so like a club. Everybody can't get in here. And so that's why we got the velvet rope. Uh, and so, you know what's real funny? It's, I'm telling y'all, this is a true story. We do this all the time. Black people do not care if you are in a live broadcast. Black folks will be, we'll be sitting here, I'll be interviewing somebody, and they will walk up, want a selfie. They'll be yelling, rolling, tapping you on the shoulder. And I got to remind them, y'all, I'm actually working. Uh, and so it always happens. And so it's crazy when I, 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 I got to tell, like, one brother, we were sitting here live. He walked up, rolling, how you doing? I was kind of like, bro, we on the air right now. So then he had to step back. And so, but it's all good. It's always good to see, show some love, uh, uh, feel, get the love from our uh, family here. All right, you're on this right now. It's Lewis Carr, man behind this conference. What's up, Doc? Thank you. How's it going? Grab the microphone, Lewis. So y'all can tell Lewis on the sales side of media. So you ain't using this side. Got to grab the mic. Look, look, Roland, there's so much going on behind me, and I'm doing so much right that, now. That, that don't even, <laughs> see, it it, I, it, it it don't even affect me. I, I know. Like, As I hear fact, it. They we, right there. When we were planning this setup, I said, does Roland know how many people are going to be passing him? Passing him? Unfazed. 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 You're a true professional. We, we've done it with thousands. They don't know things. That's right. They could be standing right there calling my name. They don't even exist. I just appreciate you being here. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, your presence, your energy has made already an impact on the Blueprint Men's Summit. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. First of all, how many years is this? This is year three. Year three. Why did you start it? I started it uh, when I did my book tour after every stop rolling. There were men waiting in the halls, waiting outside for me, who wanted to ask me questions that they didn't want to ask in an open room. So whether it was, you know, how you've been married for three decades, you know, how did you do that? Or how do you travel 250 nights a year? So I wanted to provide a, a safe environment where men could come and really be vulnerable from time to time and ask questions that they might not want to ask in the public. Also, I think, uh, and I've, I've talked about this a, a whole lot as well, um, women, but especially black women, they meet. Yes. They, they go to conferences, and they have real conferences. And they have it's, missions. And they, it's, they, it's, they, not, they a mission. it's not games. It's not all about having fun. Because I'll be honest with you, that one, of the, one of my, and I got no issues with, with, with the lounge, but one of my issues when I see lots of men's events it's more games than it is business. And, I, and I, I say to brothers, if you go home the same way you left home, it's going to be some pissed off folk who sent you there. Well, I want to congratulate these brothers today. They were in sessions at 9 o'clock, and we just got out at 6.20. And I, I cut out a lot of breaks that I scheduled for them because I wanted them to be A students. And they really showed up, and I'm very, very proud of their commitment to the information uh, and to the things they were getting from the stage today. So I'm very proud of them. And the reason I think that's important because, again, we have to experience, first of all, we, we, we have to have a place where we can go to and get fed yeah. and learn and, yes, ask those questions. That's also a place that's for us by us. Yes. So very, very excited about that. I mean, we had a lot of brothers today that came to the stage. Will Packer, as you know, was here, and he did a tremendous job on really creating an opportunity for brothers to find their own blueprint. 
Uh, Joe Holder from GQ Magazine was here talking about nutrition and, 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 and fitness. Uh, Charles Jenkins, Pastor Charles Jenkins and Pastor Reginald Sharp just got off the stage. Really, really, really inspiring brothers with the secret to survival. When you have traveled, uh, you talked about uh, on Beyond the Book Tour and in hearing from uh, these brothers. When you travel, is it, is, is, it, is it tough to look at some of these brothers who you know are hurting? who you know might be going through divorces or relationship issues. I'd be going through stuff on the job and they say I have no outlet or I haven't connected with somebody who will understand what I'm going through. So has this also created the networking opportunity where the relationships uh, have have continued after the summit's over? A absolutely. One of the things uh, that the, the primary summit mission is to provide knowledge, solutions and relationships not with just people on the stage but people in the audience because there's so many people in the audience that can give insight and give instructions to so many different things so this is not just about the people on the stage but it's also not just about the men who are here we want them to take this information back to their families and their communities with a spirit of vision and growth so that we all can get better want to talk a little business uh, you have how long you've been in sales for how long? I have been in sales for about 38 years. I've been at BET for 33 years. So I was I was um, in the car today, and don't ask me why it popped into my head. And I and I, I was just in the car and I went. What happened to the Madison Avenue project? I, I was reading some story. As I'm reading and, and I pull up on Google, whatever. And and, and the reason I bring that up is because. I have been trying to sound the alarm that we, those of us in black media, are facing a perilous future. What used to be multicultural is now mainstream. Mm -hmm. You see black ad agencies withering on the vine because the larger agencies are basically taking all of the dollars. And unfortunately, in so many of those agencies, there's still a very few folks who look like us. Mm -hmm. And so what happened to the Madison Avenue Project uh, Art, do you believe that uh, we are getting our fair share? And what needs to happen? Because where we're going, 2043, we'll be a nation majority people of color. And my fear is that we will be frozen out of the dollars. We will have demographic numbers, but be frozen out and not be able to control our own narrative, our destiny. Well, one, one of the things that I've consistently done and I think has given me this long tension of is, is reinvent. So reinvent our strategies, reinvent our products, reinvent ourselves in the way we approach the overall business. So reinvention is one of the key things. I think the other thing is we continue to have to be courageous. I mean, we can't just take not getting our dollars. Sometimes we got to push to get our dollars. And I think I've sort of made a reputation of that in the business, that I'm not going to just let other people come in and sort of pimp our culture where we were creators of that culture. So I think that a lot of our media companies have to become more courageous and more intentional about their success. I just had a, a sales conference and the theme of the sales conference was intentional success. And tomorrow we're gonna have one of our key speakers at our sales conference, Rick Rigsby, come and talk about intentional success and the role of black men in our communities today. But back to the media, 
Uh, I think we have to understand social media more. Of course. Clearly, you get it. <laughs> we dominate social media. We dominate linear. We dominate digital. Let's not act like we don't. Right. Let's let people know, and let's be forceful and intentional about it. One of the things that is a concern of mine is the the dearth of news and information. Mm -hmm. And what I and when it comes to comedies, when it comes to award shows, when it comes to reality television, my fear is that just like with food deserts, mm -hmm. I believe we have news deserts, mm -hmm. and I think that we're laughing ourselves to death. And folks go all the time. Man, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Man, I, I, I had no idea. And I've been challenging black media on that front because if we are not framing it from our perspective right. through our prism, then who will? And I just don't, I, I'm afraid that we're going to be asking somebody else, please, 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 can you tell our story? And to me, that's dangerous as a for a black community. Well, to that point, that's why it was so important for me to have you here. We're going to talk about the upcoming 2020 election tomorrow. And as I told you on the phone, I want you to educate these men on the top concerns that we should know about as we go into the election, as we evaluate candidates, if we talk about issues, as we educate our families and our communities. We've got a year, a year, to really be knowledgeable about what's at stake. Not even a year. The primaries start in February. Yeah. In February. Yeah. We got less than six months. So you're going to let us know all of that tomorrow? <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, it's great uh, for the energy in here. I was, I was just saying, uh, being an alpha, I know you've blown that little junior organization, um, <laughs> that, that little youth group. Uh, what, what's that group? I don't belong to any of them. Oh, oh you're not a Kappa? No. Oh, somebody told me you were a Kappa. That's no. good then. Somebody no. told me you were a Kappa. Well, praise the Lord. See, I'm good then. And let's, that's that GQ speaker you had today. He a little Kappa. Yeah, he, but, he, he yeah. hollered out. Good. See, good. See, good. Because I thought I was going to have to cut you tomorrow. No, no, but no, see, no, good, no. I'm good. good. I'm good. <laughs> I got love for everybody. <laughs> well, I got love for them too. Well, I like them. I like them. <laughs> Well, Louis, glad to be here. Looking forward to it. But again, you, I, I think I think the energy is great. And again, I think it's important for people, uh, especially other brothers, when you're in this midst, just like when I go to the Alpha Convention, it's just a whole different feeling when you're surrounded by black men, it's black love, it's no drama, and it's all about uh, purpose. I appreciate it. And I can't wait till tomorrow. Light them up, baby. Always. Light them up. You know that's going to happen. I appreciate it, Louis. All Thanks right. a bunch. Thank you, Roland. Got to go to a break, y'all. We come back more from uh, Blueprint Men's Summit. And so, where's Dougie Fresh? He's supposed to be down here. Uh, I want to be able to holler at him before we get off the air. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. Fan Club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com.
All right, folks, uh, we are back. Blueprint Van Summit here in Chicago. Great conversation we had there uh, with Lewis Carr. And like I say, uh, uh, the sessions are out. Cats are all around here. Uh, uh, they got drink, they got hors d'oeuvres, they got food, you got networking going on. All those things are happening. Like I said, lots of energy, lots of conversation, lots of excitement. The lounge is next door. Uh, you got brothers in there getting haircuts. They, uh, of course, and matter of fact, let me tell you all, so the vendors that you can't see them. And so, matter of fact, we're going to get this device that allow us to have a roaming camera because I want to be able to see some stuff. So all the way down this hall and then on the other side over there, uh, they've got vendors doing manicures. Uh, they got brothers. I think they got some brothers over there getting some facials over there. They got brothers over there uh, who uh, got a hair care products. Uh, Bevel is one of their sponsors, and they're, they're talking about a grooming as well. And so uh, this is a true uh, men's summit. And so they, uh, so what's, uh, can they walk around with food? What's that? Chicken, my friend, with a little bit of uh, salsa and uh, platin. It's what? Chicken, chicken. Chicken, little salsa? Salsa and a little bit uh, spicy. Okay. All right, then. Okay, I'm good. I'm going to try one when I get done off the air. All right, then. So, <laughs> so again, uh, all that happened, of course, uh, sessions, as, as Lewis said, started uh, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. And so we'll be uh, up again tomorrow at 9 o'clock as well. And so uh, it's going to be uh, quite the, the busy day uh, here from Chicago. Uh, and so looking, looking forward to it. Busy, busy day in the Windy City. Thank God it's not cold or freezing. I'm trying to see. So Anthony went down to see. Uh, if he can grab uh, Dougie Fresh to make his way down here. If not, we'll end up doing an interview with Dougie Fresh tomorrow. And so uh, it has been, uh, like I said, a good time here. Uh, great sessions, great panels. But, but I do want to speak on something that I did tell, I told Lewis uh, there as well, and that is this here. Uh, and this is specifically for black men. Uh, we have to be willing to meet and connect with other black men in spaces like this. We have to be willing to have the type of conversations that are affirming, that are empowering, and we can learn from and be educated. I see it all the time, all the things these sisters are doing across the country, where they are meeting and where they are planning and networking, and too, and too many brothers not doing that, and so that's uh, critically uh, important. So uh, that's vital for all of us, and so that's why we are here. All right, y'all, join us right now is somebody who is uh, not unfamiliar at all with the microphone. He is Doug E. Fresh. What's up, my man? Good Our man here, boy, y'all don't know how he gets down. Let me just put that out there off the top. I was just, I was just saying this. So I was somewhere, and, um, and I said, they said, oh, Doug is, I said, Doug is going to be here. I said, I, I said, I'm Doug is hype, man. They were like, man, sit down. I said, I'm telling y'all. I you said, let them know. And they, they think they think I'll be messing around like, oh, man, I, want, I said, look, I said, I'm telling y'all. Look, I, I sent out an email. I sent out memos. Bro. I mean, I'm on the shows. I'm like, look, if Roland come up in here, you know where he coming and you know what we going to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We done had so many shows like Dude, that. So, we were at the, so check this out. We were at the Hamilton. In, we at, you were at the Hamilton in D.C. It was CBC. Coca-Cola sponsored this party. And uh, so Henry, Henry, who does my, my production manager, uh, I see him the next day. He's like, dude, man, why you ain't tell me uh, you on stage with Dougie? 
People were texting me, talking about, man, your boy Roland's out here dancing and hyping the crowd Straight up with up. Dougie. He's Straight like, what up. were you doing? And then, what was it? It was Steve Harvard's Neighborhood Awards. Right, 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 right. Dude, right. we got there. We got, <laughs> we got to Atlanta like at 5. He's like, how we laying in Atlanta at 5? And at 7 o'clock, I'm standing on stage uh, shooting your behind uh, dancing it. next to Dougie. I love it. I love it. See, and this is what I like so much about it. It's because you go so hard when you do what you do that I like when people see that, yo, not only do I go hard here, I go hard oh, absolutely. over there. Absolutely. Oh, I tell them. I, right. ain't sit, like, I don't understand. Like, I, I'm bothered by people who don't dance. It, it drives me it's crazy. crazy. It's when crazy, They stand bro. around. I'm like, I'm sorry. My legs work. My knees work. My heels work. I'm going to use them. Look, look, and I ain't look. afraid to sweat. Hey, look, 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 look. And we put it in. We put it in. I know. Look, I'm telling you. Every time you come up, man, I'm so happy. I've been enjoying your company. And, you know, we've been friends a long time. So I keep it 100 with you, bro. You, you, you definitely bring a contribution to the game when you jump up there. I'd be like, okay, now I'm really. Now it's kind of like damn near like a like a like a like a thermometer. Like, okay, so it's getting hot. Oh yeah, Rolling we about. Is up here, so well, it's this was at, at the NAACP. So let me tell you how we ended up in Detroit. The DJ was kind. He was right, 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 right. So they, I said, see what time is monitor? Dougie coming out? See how they monitor? said, is it Dougie coming out by uh, 11, 11, 15? They were the trying to DJ. Hold me. So I went on stage. I was like, I need you to play this. Right. It was about an hour before Dougie they came out. They told me you did Dude, that. I was like, I mean, I'm sitting and I'm like, um, this room ain't, you know. Ain't that crazy? It ain't. And so I had went up there. And so by the time you came out, <laughs> the room was lit. Yeah, I think you said something to me. I, Yo, I got this right for right, you. I, I said, right I said they prime. They prime. Right. I was like, you can do your thing now. Yo, it's so crazy, <laughs> man. And it's so crazy that nobody, like, it's to the point that, like, at first nobody would believe that we was rolling like this. And then all of a sudden, now when I come in the spot, they're like, yo, your man rolling this in here, man. <laughs> He's right over there, man. And I got mad at the Image Awards. Okay, let me tell you what happened. True story. <laughs> this year, the Image Awards. So they had this outdoor party. Problem was, I had to leave. Right. I had a speech. The one in L.A. In L.A. Man, right. so I go to the party. Y'all, I was only at the party for 30 minutes. Because I had to go catch a flight. Because I don't pass up money. Uh, you can't. So, man, I was like, Dougie on stage. And he see me. Like, bro, you know where you're supposed to be? And I was like... Man, I got to go get in the car, go to the airport. <laughs> I said, if I get on that stage, I'm going to miss this flight. Right, right. And I Wait, was hot. Look, B, look, I'm trying to tell you, man, we got this We got this automatic connection thing. And, like, look, I didn't even know you was come, You was going to be out here. And, Lucky, and, and I got a show tomorrow in L.A. I got to do Taste the Soul. Yeah, but I know. If, yeah, yep. if I didn't, you know, we would have turned this But, of course, out. but, of course, but, of course, uh, man, um, let's talk about the fact that you've been doing this how long? Man, it's, uh, I'd have to say genuinely since 81, because Harlem World was an actual place in Harlem where all of the artists got to perform. So I was able, so my first show that I've ever done was at Harlem World. They spelt my name on the flyer wrong. So, you know, it's kind of like asking, 
when did you first do this? But you, you find an engage on when was the first time that it really hit you. Right. So I say 81 because it was Harlem World, and that was big time for me. I'm like, I'm like 13, you know, 14 you, years old. To me, I think what's awesome is that, and again, my vantage point is different because I've been on the stage. Right. The audience still loves old school and to get it in. Right. And it and it's and it's and for you it's about the party. That's it. It's about them. I can't stand DJs and artists who want them to come see them. No. Right. To me, it's a two-way street. Is what you give it and that's hitting the hitting the crowd with a crowd reverberates back and then it goes back and it comes back and as that thing just gets higher and higher. Right, but that's the only way that it does get higher and higher. Any other way it doesn't because it's all about taking. You're not giving anything. And an artist should be a giver. He should be a giver and a healer. So if you ain't healing and you ain't giving and all you're doing is taking, look at me. Look at what I do. Look at what I got. I mean, Look, I understand everybody needs a pat on the back, but you know, my whole thing, I come from a generation of hip hop that I learned a technique that that's, it's damn near like if you were a Shaolin monk and you learned from Shaolin, you know what I mean? I learned hip hop like that. So my concept is celebrating life all the time. That's why when you come in or when we've done things, it has always been about the celebration, the enjoyment. It's never been about the look at me or look at this or look at that. And this is party. And, right. And and that party, that celebration, that that I'm happy to be right here right now, that moment, that memory, you know, tied to the soundtrack of your life is something that, that carries impact beyond people's wireless imagination. But Roland, I be going through the airport, man. I can't even get to my gate sometimes because people say, I seen you over here and I seen you do this and I seen this. The pilots sometimes come out, man, I was at this thing, Capital Jazz, man. It was unbelievable. I be like, you know, because you don't even really realize yep. how many people take that spirit of, of, oh, of dude, love, man. I have pe my people, my social media followers, they like, dude, seeing you get it gives me life like when i so that when i was uh doing the alpha step the a step in my kitchen right 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 and i just posted 30 somebody second video got like five million views and folks don't realize i was look i was just dancing i was just getting in <laughs> you were just doing your normal I, I, I was doing what i normally do right right i mean right, i'll right. sit here and i'll hit a step just anywhere I mean, I don't, like, I don't even need music to hit it. I understand. But that's the thing. I, I, t I tell people all the time, and somebody asked me, they said, I said, man, why are you always dancing? I said, let me tell y'all something. I said, mm. we would have killed to hear Muhammad Ali talk his last 25 years. That's right. I said, but because he did all those interviews, we got newsreels, we got video. I said, but they told him to shut up then. I said, what if he had shut up? I said, so my philosophy is, as long as my stuff works, you I'm going to use them. And if 30 years right. from now and something happened, I can't dance, I'd be like, yo, pull that YouTube video. I'm going to show y'all how I did it. Because 
look, you live one time, and I just, and I do have a rule. If I go home from the party and my suit is dry, I'm pissed. Damn. But I got to peel my suit off. We had a hell of a time. I got to peel that suit off. That's how I gave it. So if I'm like half sweat, I'm like, it's all right. Right. But if I'm drenched. Look, and the other thing is use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. See, that's why even sometimes like with your skill, like the way you kick it with people, talk to people. You know, I told you on some of the things, the interviews I've seen you do have been crazy, like the way you go in, because you are using that skill on a regular basis. Like the skill is not, it's not dry. It's not something that, you know, it's not in motion. Like it's, it's to me, it's healthy. So dancing and performing, that's why I do, man. I do these shows, man. I do them. I make money from them. A lot of things I do for charity purposes just because I like to see people celebrate life. And as a return to me, I'm able to survive, take care of family, do the things that I do. But I never did it for the money. That was never the goal. The goal was is because I felt that was my purpose. At a time when hip-hop wasn't even popular, nobody thought it was going to be what it is now. Right. Nobody knew that this thing... I remember my mother was telling me, you really want to do this? I said, Mom, I think this is what I'm supposed to do because um, I created something in it. I'm the first, I, you know, and, and I enjoy it. She said, if it makes you happy, then you go ahead on and do it. And it's a beautiful thing for us to be happy, do what we do. We make people happy, and we're able to survive and get a good living, you know. And, and, and you know it's good that you're doing. You know it's nothing bad or toxic, you know what I mean? You know that when people leave, they feel better than when they came. There you go. That's the key, brother. Are there other folks who who, 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 who do what you're doing, are they... Uh, I mean, do you have another crop? Do folks, it's sort of like, here's what I think. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's like, Kareem Dude Jabbar is the greatest score in NBA history. The greatest. How is it cats are not lined up to learn a sky hook? A young cat saying, <laughs> Dougie, teach me how to do what you do. Right, right, right. Are they doing that? You know, some of them secretly ask me and I share it with them because I make sure that they know that whatever it is that you need, I want you to have it because honestly speaking to me, Roland, I want somebody to be able to carry the baton, but at the same time, there has to be some integrity, you know, it has to be humility because the way that a lot of artists are doing it now, you know, in some ways I understand it, but there's things that have been done before you that if you incorporate these things in what you're doing now, right. it'll give you more longevity. And I was telling them in there, longevity comes from humility. It comes from discipline. It comes from focus. I mean, this thing is not a simple task. No. I mean, you know, this is like, I got kids that come to my show that's 14, 16, 18. I'm doing a tour right now to HBCUs and kids know who I am there. And it's a whole new generation. So, and I, and, and it ain't based on my record, it's based on my reputation there you and go. my spirit. 
So I just think that as much as they want to learn, I, I'm willing to teach them. But if they don't, you know, you're going to hear about it because we see, ain't going to stop. See, the thing that, the reason I, I say that because, look, and I say, Lord, we've been together, I don't know how many times. You ain't walking in the end with 30 people. Not at all. You got you, your voice, DJ. <laughs> And I'm just simply saying, if I'm if I'm a next generation cat, right? I'll be saying like, hell, I can learn what Ducky doing, right? I can do, wait a minute, I can do Ducky stuff for 30 years. When when Ducky when Ducky at the house uh, in retirement, I can see the finish do, it up, finish it up. I'm just trying. I mean, it's crazy. But you know what happened to us? Like it's there's that humility thing. It's like you. It's like, say, you could show somebody a young cat trying to get in the game doing what you do. It has to be a certain level of humility, man. Like, I'm going to learn the craft. Yeah, man. Well, because, I, because I'm going to tell you this. What you do or what I do, people think it's easy oh, yeah. because we make it look right, that right. way. My wife tells me, she said, Roland, you got to stop saying it's easy. You make it look easy. You got to stop saying it's easy. Right, because you make it look like that. But the person, if they trying to do what you do, it ain't going to be easy for right. them, bro. But, 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 but the kids, I tell them, you got to put the work in. And to me, that's the biggest thing that I tell people all the time. Don't think I ain't put the work in. I see so many cats that want to jump on television. Right. And I go, okay, you can think you can do the comment. Van Jones talked about it. Van Jones said, people didn't realize in 2012, CNN made a conscious decision to take me off the air. And we know why. And I, and I went to Van. I said, Van, let me tell you the real deal. White boys have decided they're going to take me off the air. I said, and they're throwing you on the air with no training. He was getting killed. I said, I'm going to teach you how to do this. Right. I said, one, they ain't going to have two black men fighting each other. I know what they're doing. I said, you you the only one. I said, so you got to represent black folks, and I can't have you fail. Exactly. So after every debate night, I would coach them, yo, do this, camera angles, learn this. And he, I remember he said, man... You sit at home, you think this stuff is easy. I said, no, this is work. And a that's the thing I think work, people bro. miss. A lot of work. And, and the other part is the is the love that you showed even when a time when somebody was coming at you with something completely different. And that's what this whole conference right here is about. This whole summit is about. It's like I always say iron sharpen iron and men sharpen men. You know, and here at this conference, black men can be honest with each other. They can show love towards each other. There don't have to be no jealousy and right. no envy. We can be competitive, but not in a way where we lose our moral That's or right. ethic or ethical, you know, fiber, man, to where we're, we we have to have some kind of respect for one another. And you wanted to see your brother win. That's right. You know, and that's, that's right. something that... What, no hate? What? Oh, man, I can't... I mean, look, I was there six years. I didn't sit there like, I'm mad as hell at using him. I knew what the game was. The reality is, they made it, they had a meeting. And, the, and, and it was a brother, Mark Whitaker. Mm. He's, we need another <laughs> Roller, oh, I ain't got a problem calling him out. Right. We need another Roller Martin. So wrong. And the person said, we already got Roller Martin. No, we need a, another Roller Martin. They made a decision. They said, he is not going to become a star mm. after the 2012 election like he did in 08. They had already made the decision they were not going to renew my contract. But they knew, had they put me on those debate nights in 2012, 
I was going to blow up. Right. And they would have had to give me a new contract. Right. So there was a conscious decision made. And I knew it the whole time. And I even went to him. And it's I crazy. said, you know I know what y'all doing. So I knew the whole time. I had no problem fronting them on that whole deal. But my deal was, y'all ain't going to have me fighting Van. Right. Y'all ain't going to have me fighting another brother. Because it was like the hidden hand. It was like a divide and conquer kind of vibe that they was trying to create. And... That's, That's why I don't get rap beefs. I, I don't get Nicki Minaj and Cardi B going, yo, it's space for both of y'all. Don't feed that crap. Because a lot of people don't understand that all, all of this is based on control and manipulation. And there's a law or two that people don't really understand. Usually when there's two people that are real cool and they not cool no more, there's a third person involved and you just don't know who it is. There you go. And you got to find that third person because that person is that little hidden hand that's manipulating and being the puppeteer to try to control people. And you were smart enough to not let them control or destroy your relationship with Van. And that's what this whole thing is about, man. And that's why the way I learned hip hop, I still show love. I used to train Biggie. I used to look out for Tupac. I used to train Puffy. Jay-Z brought his album to my house, Reasonable Doubt, when he first did it. I listened to the album, told him what songs. Biz used to come to my house. Eric B and Rakim, I, I kept them together. Every generation, there's always something that happens and we run into problems, but I've always been on the side of, you know, let's, let's try to figure out a positive solution right. because I could see what was going on, you know what I mean? And it's a beautiful thing to be able to be here. Yep. I'm going to say 2020 because I know we going into 2020, and it's a beautiful thing to be here now and to know where I came from yep. and how I'm still able to be involved. I appreciate it so much, man. I appreciate being in here with all of the That's different right. You know, the different people that make such great contributions, yes, man. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? We still rolling. You know it? Like rolling. Well, we, like about, rolling. we about to go to the lounge right now. Y'all, it's been a fantastic uh, day here. I'm glad all of you had a chance uh, to watch today's edition of Roller Bart Unfiltered. Don't forget to support what we do. This is black-owned, independent. We need your donation, your dollars. Uh, if 20,000 of our followers give 50 bucks each for the whole year, $4.19 a day, that's a month, 13 cents a day, this whole thing is funded. We can travel around the country. We can broadcast in places like this, bringing you content you're not going to get on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC, CBS, NBC. Damn. That's how we do it because when we black. And so go to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. And so I got to go. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Next week, you see more of the interviews from here. Y'all know how we do it. Holla! Love.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.